You are listening to a live message from Gold Street Garden Church with Dr. Dominic Butler. We are thrilled to have you join us for today's message. Our prayer is that you would see Jesus clearer than ever before and your desire to know him personally would increase in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about the church, you can go to goldstreetgarden.com. Man, it's it's so funny. I don't I don't I don't want to get teary-eyed right now. And I know it's not even a big deal. We're bros, but uh, Joe Joe Turnbull and I go way back, and I know some of you know our history. But so thankful for this man of God and just what the Lord has done in his life since knowing him. Uh, we the when I first met Joe, I was I was a very polished individual, and what I meant by that is like. I was really into like my three-point sermons, really wanted to go about it. I believed in the power of God. I came from the river, but I was real structured at the time when I met Joe. And Joe just came in, and he just got delivered of heroin, delivered of crazy things going on in his life. And he just walked into one of our meetings one night, and he just like was just so about like, what are we doing? We got to be out on the streets. We got to be doing things. And he, he just... and. When I first met him, I was like, oh man, I don't know about this guy. Like, is, is this guy a distraction or is this guy, like, what's going And then, like, I talked with him a couple of times and all of a sudden my heart changed. And, like, the Lord really used Joe in my life at a time that, you know, the, this college and career group we were doing ATM at the time, like, Joe was such an integral part of seeing that go to another level just because of we started hitting the streets so much. There was services that we would, and I tell stories of it all the time. We would be in service and I would see, I would see people leave our services. Like when we, we would have like 60, 80 people coming on a weekly basis. And I would see people leave during the middle of service and I would see Joe follow them out. And then here's the thing is like four people would leave and Joe would follow them out. And then like 20 minutes later, he would come back in, but he would have six more people and they weren't any of the same ones that left. And he would find people in the parking lot and bring them into the service and he would just go, don't we need more of that? We need, we need that in this hour. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just so thankful for his heart. And this past year, he got to go to CFAN and just uh, study under some amazing men of God under Reinhard Bunke, which is now Daniel Kalenda's uh, ministry. And uh, he just went on an awesome missions trip in our own country, and I, I wanted to give him the floor tonight, but I just wanted everybody to know that you you came on a perfect night, that this is, this is going to be just a powerhouse night, and I want you to just, everything that God has done in his life, you can, that, the fire, the same Holy Spirit, the same anointing that has transformed his life and his family, if you just came here to receive tonight, you came on a beautiful night. Your life will never be the same if you listen with faith, amen. So without further ado, if I could give my, let's give it up for Joe. I love you, man. I love you, man. Tear it up for oh, Praise the Lord. I just wanted to keep worshiping, you know, when they kept saying Jesus over and over, I was just like, this is good right here. Amen. <laughs> it's awesome, man. First, I want to say thank you to Dom. Like he said, when I first got delivered, um, I really had no friends, had nowhere to go. And Dom like literally reached out to me. And he was my friend. He let me be, he didn't know me for only a couple months. He let me come be a part of his wedding. And it was just, 
amazing friendship that he just offered right away. All the guys here, Nick, Joe, oh, I met Emmanuel at a church and then witnessed him again at Walmart and he's here. It's just uh, amazing, man. And I just want to say thank you to everybody here at Gold Street Garden. We'll get into Seattle here in a little bit, but I don't even know where to start with that. But first, I just want to honor the man of God in the house, Dominic Butler. You have an amazing pastor, guys. One of the greatest teachers that I know. And you might hear stories up here about me preaching on the streets, but he's the one who taught me how to preach on the streets. I was out there going crazy on people and I was scaring people. I remember one time I walked into Wawa and I yelled fire at this guy and nothing happened. <laughs> I tried everything, you know? <laughs> so I just kept hanging out with Dom because Dom would just like calmly go up to people and start talking to them like a normal person. I was like, I'm gonna start trying that. So it was pretty awesome. But I was willing and I was available and I was hungry, man. That's all you need is to be available, willing and hungry, that's it. This is my beautiful wife, Krista, my daughter, Juliet. Before I got married and met her, I was the most ungentle person that you would ever meet. I was abrasive, like Dom said, and I got married to her. And when two become one, man, I finally got gentleness, you know, to come a part of me. That's just amazing. And uh, I just really want to honor one guy here just because of what went down. I want Kevin Brodus in the back to stand up right now. I love this man with all my heart. He flew out to Seattle with us. Came up to me after service uh, last Tuesday and said, you know, Tuesday before and was like, hey, I feel called to go. And I'm like, you can go. <laughs> we need all the soldiers we can get, man. It was such an honor and such a blessing, man. I'll go into any dark area with you. I'll travel to the end of the world with you, brother. And I just love you so much. And my heart is with you forever. Yeah. Awesome, man. My name's Joe Turnbull. I'm an evangelist. And I tell people that because I was confused for a long time. But God finally was like, hey, this is who you are. You know, praise the Lord. You will find your calling. You keep seeking him. But I want to encourage everyone this, that I am a full-time minister. And I know you guys have probably heard things before. And I know we just say things to, you know, because it's what we're used to, you know, in American culture. But what I mean by a full-time minister is that when I am home with my family, guess what? I am ministering to my family. When I am at my job and at my work, guess what? I am ministering unto the Lord at my work. When I'm in Seattle, I am ministering the gospel to the people in Seattle. When I'm in Publix, I'm ministering to people in Publix. So let me tell you something about full-time ministry. Everyone in here is a full-time minister of this gospel. The day that you got saved, you became a full-time minister. Everyone say, praise the Lord. Now you got some conviction on you. <laughs> a little bit of heaviness. You're like, I don't know about that. I leave that up to the pastors and the preachers. No, that's not what it's about. The day that you got saved, you became a minister unto the Lord in every single thing you do. Titles don't define you. Your jobs don't define you. Even in your own house, your role that you have in your house doesn't define you. You're a son or a daughter who loves upon the Lord every single day, and you abide and you walk with them, and you continually keep going. I believe we've gotten in this moment where we elevate people who are full-time ministers or professional ministers, and we almost feel less than them like we can't do what they do. And that's not where we need to be. And people that are called to just minister the gospel all the time, they're just as much as a minister as you, and you're just as much as a minister as them. But the job of these people as a minister, I love how Daniel Kalinda Daniel says it. He says, ministers that minister the gospel full time 
are just like water boys to the body of Christ. And what he means by that, in a football game, you got people playing out in the field. That's you, the body of Christ, people sitting in the congregation. You're playing in the field. Your field is either your workplace, at your job, everywhere you go. And a pastor or an evangelist or an apostle, one of these fivefold giftings, guess what? They're on the sidelines, and they're filling up their water bottles. And whenever you need a little bit of break, guess who runs out? The water boy. You need a drink of water? I'm here to help you, man. I'm here to serve you, man. You can do it. That's what the job of, you know, someone who ministers the gospel full time is, is to keep you ministering the gospel. And that's the body of Christ. No one's above, no one's below. Everyone's just even killed, one accord, one body, one mind, one spirit with one goal, man. The goal is the Great Commission, man. To populate heaven and to plunder hell. That's it. When Dom called me up, he's like, I'm kicking the devil in the throat for the next two weeks. I said, I'm with you, bro. I'll go anywhere to kick the devil in the throat, man. Anytime anybody wants to punch the devil in the face, you can call me. You can message me. You can be like, hey, man, the devil's attacking my job. Guess what? I will come into your job and I will preach the gospel there. I don't care where it is. Publix, the bank, I do not care. If, it, if the enemy is attacking your family, you can call me. You can message me. Guess what? I will come to your house and I'll pray with your family. Why? Because I hate the devil. You guys hate the devil too? These are my kind of people. I love that I can be a little bit more free here. TKO. And I hate what the devil is doing to our country, to our cities, to our churches, to our families. Man, you start to see it. And like, you know, Don was saying, sometimes you start to see it, you get a little bit of weary. You get a little bit weary. You're like, what do I do? What are we doing? You know? And everybody in the church, and I, you know, I'm not taking prayer light. Intercessors, great. I called them up before I went to Seattle. They're awesome. They need your prayer. But everyone's like, if we just humble and pray, God will do it. But I'm here to tell you something. God has never done something on this earth where he didn't do it without man. There's a partnership. And if we don't show our faith by our works, guess what? Then we are dead. So we can pray for our country, we can pray for our cities, we can pray for our neighborhoods, we can pray for our schools, we can pray for the government, but if we don't get out there and we don't show the love of Christ, guess what? Our prayers fall to the ground. You, every person in here is an answer to someone's prayer. The best thing that I loved about Seattle is when we rolled up there, there was people messaging from 30 miles away that saw what we were doing on the internet saying, you are the answer to our prayers. And I'm like, hey, we'll be out there tomorrow. Come join us. <laughs> we love you. Bring some food. <laughs> These people are hungry. Because <laughs> that's what it's about, guys, man. It's about getting filled up with the love of Christ, the power of God, and his mercy. Tonight's word is going to be the power of mercy. Because when mercy touches your heart, it will change your life and change your world. So you see the videos like on Facebook, you hear, you're going to hear about these testimonies, but that's just an outward manifestation of what God did inside of my heart. And I want to share both of those things with you is what God did and why it was done. Because I don't do things just because it's a cool idea. You know, what I think is cool is like going to an island, hanging out with my wife on a jet ski. You know, like that's fun for Joe in the flesh. <laughs> you guys don't like jet skis? Nobody likes jet skis? Y'all don't like going to the beach? All right, cool, man. I'm just saying, I know you guys are spiritual people here, but I know we're some real people too. Thanks. So we literally, God, the other week, it was two weeks ago, God spoke to my heart right in the middle of worship. I was just trying to love on him. You know, I was just 
trying to be in his presence, just trying to have a good time. And I was like, God, yeah, we're doing it. I'm feeling good. You know, we're worshiping. He's all like, go to Seattle. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, I was like, now I imagine how Jonah felt. You know what I'm saying? He's like, go to Nineveh. You're like, yeah, right. <laughs> you know? That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother trail we won't go down, but it kind of goes with it. And I was like, okay, God, what's up with Seattle? He goes, I want you to go preach the gospel. I said, okay, Lord, if this is you, you know, I'm like, you know what? Sometimes when you hear the voice of the Lord, you're like, God, is this really you? No, you guys hear the voice of the Lord clear, right? 24 seven, you know, can somebody come up here and lay hands on me? <laughs> So I hear the voice of the Lord. He tells me, and I'm like, all right. So I text my buddies, and I'm just like, hey, who wants to go to Seattle with me? You know, because I don't want to go by myself. <laughs> and I had a bunch of friends from a boot camp, a school that I went to, like Dom was talking about, Christ for All Nations. They're like, yeah, we're going to go. And with literally within seven days, there was 20 people from all over the United States that was flying into Seattle. You guys heard, you know, the first part of the story. If you didn't, you guys are so amazing. The, you know, the church here at Gold Street Garden sewed into this. So every testimony and every soul that you hear that got saved, you are a part of. I just want to tell you that. There's one who sows, one who reaps, but guess what? Everybody gets a reward. Praise God for that. Hallelujah. So anyways, I'm just going to tell you. So we fly out to Seattle. We have no plan, you know, and what do you mean by that? It's like, no, we just have the Lord because you guys seen the news. We didn't know what to expect in Seattle. We didn't know what to expect with CHOP. And that's what I love about going on a Jesus journey is that you don't have to have everything planned out. You don't have to have the next two years planned out. You don't have to have next year's sermon planned out. Well, we're going to be in this series and we're going to be in that series. Well, babe, we're going to save up this much money. Then we're going to buy this car. Then we're going to go to this house. You don't have to have this huge elaborate plan. I'm not saying it's not okay to seek God and get goals. That's awesome. But be open to what God says because he can move you so much faster in the direction that you need to go than you could ever plan for. There's basic wisdom that you can live off of, and that's the principles in God, and that's a great thing. Live off those, but be open and get that rhema word where God says go. It was the most thrilling trip that I've been on because every missions trip or everything that I've been on has always had a plan. Monday, we're going to the hospitals. We're going to minister there. Then we're in the afternoon, we're going to go to the streets. Then we're going to do a revival service at night. And then we're going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then we're going to pray for healing. It was like, bam, 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 bam. And I'm like getting on a plane to Seattle and people are like, what are we going to do? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> but we're going. Who's coming with me? <laughs> so we literally, we get off the plane. We get, we go and we get food. We meet Kevin there, you know, that I just seen in a service who says, I'm coming with you. This guy, Gary Smith from Mississippi shows up, you know, he's like ex-cop, ex-marine 6'3", 250. I was like, yeah, we're going to walk in a job with him. Everybody's going to think we're cops, which they did. <laughs> they all thought we were cops because <laughs> we walked with authority. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that would have been cool to say though. <laughs> so we literally we go we show up we get in our room we're there that night we're all like praying we're like what are we gonna do i was like well we're just gonna go down there we're gonna scope the land out you know we're gonna spy it out we're gonna go talk to the people and we're just gonna just see what the lord does because the moment you start following after god man he starts to open the doors it gets easier and easier and easier and easier things around you might look harder but hey what's in you is great 
So anyways, we go in a chop and we're like, we're rolling up on it. And I'm thinking like, I'm seeing the, I'm going to see these barricades. I'm going to see guys with machine guns. You guys seen the news, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just like, we're just going to go up there. And I walk up there. And next thing I know, I see this like 23 year old girl. She's running. She's got her pink Nikes on and she just runs right through chop. I'm like, what is going on? You're going to tell me the news and the media just lied to me? Shoot. So we walk in a chop, strolling in on a $10,000 field AstroTurf. That's what they took over. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful park. One of those beautiful things I've ever seen. And we're going in and we're like, we see the people in the middle talking. The one girl has a dog. And I was just like, these must be the leaders. They're in the middle of their congregating. I walk up to the leaders and I'm like, hey, what's up? They're like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, my name's Joe. I was just calling, you know, just coming in here and I see all these tents up and I see some spaces. You know, do you think we could set up a tent? You know, and I had everybody for the last week before I went there like, don't go into chop. <laughs> don't go into chop. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, amen, man. Just keep us in prayer. Just love me, you know. Just keep praying for me. You know, I'm not going to go in. I'm just going to do that. But in my head, I'm like, I'm going to chop. I'm going to chop. I'm going to chop. I'm going to chop. I don't need anybody coming against me, anybody disagreeing me. Listen, on my way to the airport, I get a phone call from this person, and they call me up. They're like, Joe, I got to tell you something. I was praying to God last night, and you know what he said to me? The spirit of death is coming upon you. And I'm like, oh, what? And I was just like, oh, thanks, man. Yeah, just keep praying against it. Just keep praying against it. Keep praying against it. I hang up the phone. I get off the phone. I look at my buddy. They're like, what'd they say? They're like, the spirit of death is coming against us. And he's like, they really said that to you? I said, yeah. I said, I don't think they realize that the law of spirit of death has been against me since the day I was born. But let me tell you about the mercy of Christ that kept me alive. Let me tell you about the grace of God that pulled me out of it. Because the law of sin and death can't touch me no more. Because God has a plan for my life, and my life's not going to end until that plan is finished. Because I walk by faith now, not by sight. I get hyped up when, you know, intercessors and prophets call me, you know, because I'm just like, it's great. You know, keep praying through it. I'm going to walk through it. We need the whole body of Christ. They're awesome. But don't ever call somebody up and say that when they're going on a missions trip. <laughs> That's just like, you know, some words you just keep to yourself. I respect every prophet in this house, but, you know, just pray before you release, you know. I think the person was more scared to say it to me than was actually what was being said. And I'm just like, I feel fear coming to my car. I'm like, what is going on? It's like, I'm going to chop. I was like, I can't have this. <laughs> so we roll up in a chop. We talk to the people in the middle. And I'm just like, hey, we want to set up a tent. She's like, well, who are you with? I'm just like, I'm just here. I'm with Jesus. And she's like, oh, she goes, the last two church people that were here the last two days, they came in here. You know, they were trying to say that they support us, but we tested them. I was like, well, what'd you do? And she's like, well, we started chanting Black Lives Matter. She goes, do Black Lives Matter? I was like, absolutely they matter. Jesus loves Black Lives and they all matter. And she's like, okay, okay. She goes, but what I want to tell you to do is I want you to come in here. You can put your tent up. You can feed people. But I don't want you praying, and I don't want you preaching. I was like, okay, not a problem. Not a problem. And I was serious for a moment. And I was, like, walking away. I was like, yes, I got the tent up. We're going to feed the people. And I said, but I got to tell about, like, 70% of the team that they can't come in yet. <laughs> 
because I know the people that are with me, they're just going to start right off the bat. So we go in there for like two, three hours. We're just feeding people. We're not praying for people. We're not preaching people because guess what we're doing? We're showing love. We're showing mercy. We're showing grace. We're saying, hey, we're here to support how your heart feels. We're here to support your heart cry because guess what? Anybody that doesn't have Jesus isn't walking with the Lord. Guess what their heart is crying out for? Abba, Father, Abba, Father. I don't care what rhetoric comes out of their mouth. I don't care what spirit's got a hold of them. I don't care what kind of agenda. I know that deep down it's saying, Abba, Father. And I have a Father in heaven that's saying, guess what? I have mercy for you. I have mercy right where you're at. I love you right where you are. And that's what we did. We walked in there. We're going to love these people right where we are. And eventually we started, I was actually on a Facebook Live video feed. I don't know if some of you guys were on there. Walking around, I'm like, yeah, Chop's not that bad. You know, everything's going pretty good. You know, I'm walking in, I'm walking by, and then, like, these people, cut. this guy comes up to our tent. He's getting some food. Next thing you know, yo, stay away from our woman. I was like, oh, here we go. This little, this Eagle Sun cat, he's an Indian. He's coming around with the security guard. And this is, like, day one, three hours into it, right at our tent. This guy, like, gets pulled around to the back, and they're like, why are you doing? They're yelling at this guy. Next thing you know, boom, punched in the face. And I'm standing there, I was like, Oh, right on Facebook Live. I was like, and I'm telling everybody that's not that bad. Made a, <laughs> made a liar out of me. And uh, they're like, put the camera down. So I put the camera down. And I was like, man, I was like, this is, this, is, this is pretty crazy, you know? And it's like, everybody, don't freak out. Somebody just got punched in the face. How many people in high school saw somebody get punched in the face? Yeah, so, I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> you know, it's like, people get punched in the face all the time. You know, like, I'm just standing there, I was like, I was like, this is like high school without principals, you know, and teachers. I was like, thank God I know Jesus now because these people don't know. God knows what I would have been doing here. And uh, so we're just getting through the day. We start praying for people at the end. We start packing up. They're like, why are you packing up? They, they wanted us to stay the night. And I'm sitting there. I was like, I don't know about that. I didn't say that, but I was just like, we don't have any tents. <laughs> so we pack up that night. We come back just to just to say a little. And then that night, this is what's amazing. That night we get home and the news releases. Guess what? the mayor of Seattle says we're disbanding CHOP. I was just like, yes. And what you guys don't understand is this, is that the moment that happened, it disrupted the whole leadership of CHOP. When I went back there the next morning, God said, hey, go for it. The walls were down. Nobody cared what we were going to do at that point. They were all running around frantic, like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I promise you this, 25 Christians walked in the chop, set up on the field, started playing worship music, started feeding people and say, this is what you're going to do. You're going to find peace. You're going to find Jesus. You're going to find true leadership. And I don't believe in coincidences, man. Why? Because I serve a God who's above everything, above every principality and above every power. I don't believe that the day that we walked into CHOP, they said, hey, guess what? CHOP's over. The same exact day. I can't even make this thing up. And guess what? We just got to go for it past that. We saw between 50 to 60 true salvations, first-time salvations. We're not talking about, like, rededications. We saw a lot of rededications. Some people like to count rededications. I, I like just, I want salvations. They're awesome too, but we just loved on people. We prayed for people. We walked in there and we showed mercy. And I promise you this, once you show people mercy, guess what? God will use you for his power. Mercy and power. It's a dangerous combination.
it will soften someone's heart and it will erupt someone's spirit. It will tear down every judgmental thought that's ever come against them. Every lie from the enemy, every religious spirit that ever ever attacked them, mercy will tear that down. And when when power touches them, it's game over. Power changed my life. The fire of God changed my life. I went to church when I was little. I never experienced power. I never experienced fire. I never experienced the Holy Spirit. And the best thing that I love about Jesus is guess what? He said that he'll do what? He'll pour out on his spirit on who? Flesh. They don't even have to be saved. They don't even have to be saved. That's how merciful he is, is that he'll pour out his goodness on anybody. Doesn't matter who you are, where you're at, what you're dealing with. Some of the greatest encounters that I've ever seen is right in the middle of sin. Man, we were, we were downtown one time on Main Street. And this old man, he was probably about, not old man, sorry. He was, this man was about 48 years old. <laughs> My bad, everybody. <laughs> Mercy, right? <laughs> so he walks out of Main Street, Martin. He's got like a 12-pack of beer, ice cold. And I walk up to him. I said, look, man, I said, I don't care what you do. I don't even care if you leave here. I don't even care if you drink that beer. But let me tell you something, that God wants to touch you right here, right now, right where you're at. That's how I approached that conversation and that person. This man just looked at me and just started bawling tears down his eyes. This man grew up in a church and his dad was a pastor and always wanted him to do the right thing. He never heard mercy like that, that I don't even care if you go home and drink that beer. God still wants to touch you right here, right now. When we were leaving Seattle one night, we got that video ready? Cool. We were leaving Seattle one night. It's like 10, 1030 at night, and we're walking out of CHOP. And like, there's just like real gangster thugs. Uh, has anybody ever seen those before? Okay, cool. It's like real stuff. And we're walking out of CHOP, and like, I literally look behind me, and this guy's like pulling out his gun. I'm just like, yo, just keep walking, everybody. <laughs> just pulling out his gun, and my heart gets a little nervous. I was like, because I don't have a gun on me because I'm a Christian now, you know? <laughs> just kidding. We won't go there. And so I'm walking down the street. Thank God nothing happened. But what I just want to tell you is that there was just, there was, there was people getting shot every night when we were there. You know, one morning we went out, we looked at blood right on the street. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was crazy. And we're walking down the street and all I hear, we just hear this man shouting from the rooftop. And I was like, is there Zacchaeus? Where are you? Are you in a tree? I didn't say that. If I was super spiritual, I would have. That would have been really cool. I would have been like, I have a word from the Lord. I saw a vision of Zacchaeus in a tree. No, I just saw, I just heard a crazy guy shouting from upstairs. And I was like, you know what I mean? He's just like shouting. I'm like, yo, Jesus loves you, man. He goes, if Jesus loves me, you'll come up here and give me a hug. I was like, you don't got to tell me twice. I was like, ah. So I've, like, I've, I've prayed for people before. I've seen demons get cast out. I've, I've seen people fall, fall out in the power of God. But this is the first time I ever, like, right after that, the video, I have the original video. And, like, we literally, the guy starts snoring, like, on the concrete. He is out, like, asleep. Because I, like, at the end of it, all we heard was rest, and we started praying for rest. And this guy, like, totally went to sleep, and he was, like, snoring. He was, like, <sighs> and I was, like, looking. I was, like, what? And I look at the camera guy. I was, like, he's out. I was like, he's out because God doesn't care, you know, <laughs> if you've been to church every week, 
You know, he doesn't care where you're at in your walk, that he just wants to pour out his spirit on anyone that is just like sick and tired and sick and tired. That guy was sick and tired. When I ran up and I grabbed him, he's like hugging me. He starts crying. He was broken. He was empty and he didn't have anything. And he would have kept rambling. But sometimes you just can't listen to the devil. Sometimes you just got to step up and you got to say, hey, this is what's going to happen. That's what you have to say with your family, with your job, with your town. You got to step up. You got to step out your house and you got to say, hey, this is what's going to happen. Because there is power, you know, in life and death and the power of the tongue. And when you speak the word of God over somebody, man, it does something. It changes. And it might not happen then and there, but, hey, it will happen. Something will happen. Hopefully not like they ignore it and then get caught up in condemnation and all that but that's you know i'm not a teacher I don't, i'm not here i'm here to preach it's <laughs> awesome isn't it that's dom's job <laughs> i like my job that's awesome it was mercy that led to that though grabbing that man hugging him not caring what he smelled like what he looked like and then it was power that set him free i want to open up our bibles tonight we're going to be in matthew chapter 9 I know everybody loves the word of God here because Tom's the pastor and like you can't come to his church and not love the word of God. <laughs> Matthew 9, we're going to be in verse 1 through 8 to start off with. Oh, are we good? We good? Hallelujah. I'm ready just to go. Aren't you guys ready just to go see some demons like cast it out of some people? I mean, come on. <sighs> Hallelujah. Matthew 9, 1. So he got in a boat and crossed over and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say arise and walk? but that you may know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God. Who had given such power to men? It says, Who has the power to forgive? Jesus, the Son of who? The Son of Man. In the scriptures, he refers to himself to the Son of Man in the New Testament 83 times. 83 times. Right there, the last part, this is what caught my eye when I was reading it. It said, when the multitude, in verse 8, when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God. Who had given such power to men? To men. I'm not glorifying man. I'm glorifying what? God in man. Because that's what Jesus came here to do. He left heaven, took away all his attributes, not his deity. He is God. Jesus is God. But he emptied himself and came down here to earth to show a man how to walk with the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's it. He showed man what a covenant looked like between him and God. He showed us what access we had. He showed us the relationship we had. And he did it fully God and fully man. Why? So he could sympathize with all of the things that we go through. Jesus was despised just like you, just like me, forgotten at once, abandoned. His parents left him in the temple. 
My parents probably left me a couple places, never told me about it. Probably dropped me on the head a couple times. How many people got dropped on the head when you were a baby? Y'all liars. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but he was fully God and fully man. He came here to walk in power to show us what we were capable of. Man, and we can be capable of great, mighty, wondrous works. It says that, you know, in the word it says that we'll do greater works than he did. And I think what's so crucial about that too is that we as a body of Christ will do greater works. Why? Because there's so much more of us. We're so much more capable. I know when people, you know, Daniel Kalina says this sometimes, and he's probably the most humble man I know. And he says, you know, when people get into heaven, they're going to run up to Paul and ask him what he was like. And he says, I believe when we walk into heaven, Paul's going to come up to us and ask us what it's like. There's people that are walking on this earth that have preached, that have preached to more men in one setting than Paul did in his entire walk. That's the power of the body. The power of the body is this, is that you sowing a seed, sending a team to Seattle, Washington, to see a city turned upside down and the power of God release, and so the whole nation can see it. With after two days, we're in there like 106.1, some like Joy FM station. Joy FM's awesome. Praise Jesus. You know, promoting cause. They had this one guy that was on our team come on the station. They're like, hey, we know a lot of bad stuff's going down in CHOP, but tell us something good. They're like, people are getting baptized in CHOP right now. People are getting saved. People are getting delivered. The news was playing it on Seattle radio. There was people in Seattle that when we walked in there, guess what we were labeled as? We were labeled as the good Christians. We didn't have to worry about getting attacked or getting in trouble because anytime anyone came over to our tent to give us a problem, and it happened, and it was always people that looked just like us, which was even crazier, they'd be heckling us, and right away the security of CHOP would come over. They'd be in their vest. They'd have their batons, some guns on their side, and they'd be like, get away from these people. They're just here trying to feed people. They're just here trying to love people. You need to get away from them. Chop Security rescued us from so many fights, it wasn't even funny. When you talk about the favor and the protection of God, you know, why? Because what did they see? We got there one Saturday morning when we set up our tents. We started playing music. We had a, a local church heard what we were doing. They came down there with a truck of two crates of food, rolled right up in the chop onto the field and started unloading all the food. Guess what? Next thing you know, we had 150 people around our tent. Everybody getting prayed for. Everybody getting ministered to. Everybody loved. We had atheists and agnostics coming up to our tent, dropping food off during the day on their break from work. Why? Because we were. they said, you're the only tent that's giving out food. Every time we go to another tent, they're hoarding food for themselves and they're trying to save it. You're the only one who's giving it out to people. We literally had people in the city coming up just, hand, did we ever run out of food, Kevin? It was the craziest thing I ever experienced. Thank God for Kevin. He's just standing there on the grill. Do you know Jesus? You need to know Jesus. People were getting saved over the grill as Kevin's flipping burgers, you know? And I'm like, I'm walking around the, I'm walking around the outside and I'm just like, I'm like looking at this. Yeah, there's some crazy people there, though. <laughs> there's some wild people, man. You ever try praying? You now, if there's, you know, this is com comes out of love, <laughs> straight out of love, but I'm just being real. You ever tried praying for someone and not knowing their gender? You're like praying. You're like, Lord, I pray that you bless this guy. Lord, I pray that she will just do great things. And you're like, you're going back and forth from he to she, and you're just like, oh, my gosh, I can't get it right. Then after you're done praying, you stop, and you're like, hey, I'm really, and they're just sitting there laughing and smiling. Hey, I'm really sorry. I was like, what do you identify as? They're like, I identify as a girl. I was like, oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. But like, that was really hard. 
talk about a lack of discernment. <laughs> I'm not perfect. <laughs> oh, it's, <laughs> it's confusing times we live in, everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, 5,000. Yeah, that's biblical. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, no, it just, like, kept coming in bags, like... We were, we, I was getting worn out from cooking. I ain't even gonna lie to you. Like I was like, Lord, I need your strength. But it was amazing. It was an amazing time. You know, the first night, you know, we went to Walmart and we piled up, you know, four grocery carts of food. <laughs> like people in Walmart looking at us crazy. Like you're having a party in the middle of COVID. <laughs> yeah, we're having a Jesus party and chop. They're like, what? I'm like, do you know God? <laughs> do you want to follow him with us? They're like, no. But no, because your generosity, we were, able to, we were able to fill up shopping carts of food, and we were able to start off the day, and once the day was started, it never ended. It kept going and going and going and going, and it was just, it was completely amazing. But the two weeks leading up to it, God, like, really changed my heart. He prepared me. You know, I didn't even know what was happening. I didn't know what was happening in my life, in my heart. I was looking at things from a different lens, and God just kept saying this word, mercy, mercy, mercy to my heart, just mercy over my life, mercy over this nation, mercy over every people group, every, every party, you know, every movement, whatever it was, just mercy for all these people. Cause I want to tell you something, God's above all that. He is above that. He is above a Republican party. He is above a democratic party. He is above a liberal party. He is above, you know, a movement. He is above every situation. And he's waiting for people to look at him, to look above it all so they can see what he's trying to do below. But the biggest thing the enemy's doing right now is he's getting our eyes twisted up. More people in the Christian body are posting about what the devil, devil is doing in his plan than more about God's plan. And it's breaking his heart. We're missing the moment. We're so busy trying to figure out what's right and wrong and what justice is and what truth is that we forget the highest thing above it all. We're so, we're so busy trying to judge. Is this the Lord? Where is he at? You know, is this, you know, is this group more on Jesus' side or is this group more on Jesus' side? I'll tell you something, Jesus has his own group. And let me tell you something, mercy triumphs over judgment. So it doesn't matter if you judge, because if you operate from a place of judgment without mercy, you're going to fall just like the Pharisees, and you're going to end up in hypocrisy. When Jesus came, it was mercy that ruled his heart. Mercy for everyone. He was a little bit harder on, you know, the hypocrites. But still, as he was getting nailed to the cross, what did he say? Forgive them, for they do not know what they do. He wasn't saying, vengeance is mine. <laughs> no, he wasn't saying that. Because the vengeance of man, you know, the wrath of man doesn't produce righteousness. It says, vengeance is mine is the Lord, but we don't live in the age of vengeance. We don't live in the age of judgment. We live in the age of grace. We're in the church age where grace is being poured out over every situation. When it was being poured out over your situation, before you were saved, when you were getting drunk, when you were hooking up with people, when you were just in the world doing your thing, not living for Christ, you know, when you were going to church on Sunday, but you were, you know, out downtown at was it the, the, the reef? You know, when you're down out town at the reef partying, you know, like on Saturday night. Guess where God was? He was looking over you. Mercy. Mercy when you walked in the house. Mercy when I met you. Mercy when you keep messing up. 
my God, there's so much mercy. There's a river of mercy that we can just swim in, that can get us out of condemnation, that can get us out of judging, uh, get us out of judgment. I mean, once you get into that place where you see, where you know God sees you and you know you have mercy, like you don't want to sin anymore. I can't even explain it. Let's keep reading in uh, Matthew chapter nine. We're going to be in verse nine, right where we left off. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax tax office, and he said to him, "Follow me." So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let me tell you where Jesus would have been last week, middle of chop. Let me tell you what he'll be here tomorrow, that person that you can't stand. He'll be sitting right next to him. Let me tell you where he will be tonight. He will be in your house when your spouse starts aggravating you. Because that happens. We got flesh. It's real. But he's there. He's saying, do you have mercy for your spouse? Do you have mercy for that person, you know, at your job? Because externally, you can be doing everything right. You cannot be saying something to anyone. You couldn't be mean on the outside. You could be doing everything you need to do right at work. You can come to church. You can sit in your seat, and you can be sitting there, and you would be like, God, I'm sacrificing all this for you, and all these people around me are acting like this. Can you do something about it? And he's like, I did. I died on the cross 2,000 years ago so you could have mercy for him, so you could love him to Jesus, so you could show him the way, so you could be their hope. You are people's hope. You are people's peace. You are people's joy. That's what laying your life down looks like. It looks like I don't care what the situation is. I don't care how people are treating me. I don't care what's coming against me. I don't care how much I have to sacrifice. If I can show people mercy, then guess what? Jesus is proud of me. And then I have him. And when I have him, man, I win. Because if he is for me, who can be against me? He works things all together for our good to those who love him. And if you love him, what are you going to do? You're going to love others. No, they're awesome. Kids are awesome. If Benny Hinn was here, you'd be in trouble. (laughs) <laughs> Some of you old timers get that. It's awesome. <laughs> mercy, man. Mercy unlocks the door to power, man. Mercy unlocks the door to his presence. How many people are glad that in the midst of everything going on around us, Jesus is the same through it all? Same yesterday, today, and forever. He was mercy in the old He was mercy in the Old Testament. He was mercy in the New Testament. What covered the Ark of the Covenant? Can we get the picture up there real quick? So when the Ark of the Covenant was in the house of the Lord or wherever it went, the presence of the Lord was in the Ark. But here's the Ark of the Covenant, and this is what the presence of the Lord was in, and they carried it wherever they, wherever they went. They've carried it into battles they won. It sat behind enemy's lines, and it killed everybody. It sit in Obed-Edom's, how do you say, Obed-Edom, how do you pronounce that name? Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Tom. Oh, that's my boy. <laughs> And his whole family was blessed for 40 days. This is the Ark of the Covenant. Does anybody know who the Ark of the Covenant is now? It's us. We carry the presence of the Lord inside of us everywhere we go. 
The ark's in us. That's where the presence is. But if you see this thing that's on top of it, this was the bottom, the Ark of the Covenant. It was called the mercy seat that was on top of it. And when they lit the mercy seat off of it, guess what came out? The glory of God and the presence and his power and everything that was in them. And nothing could be touched. It was mercy that lifted the door and it was mercy that shut it. When you're merciful to people, the power of God will be unleashed everywhere you go. The wisdom of God will be with you. Joy will be with you. Peace will be with you. You will never lack. You will never need. Your house will be blessed. Your family will be blessed. But you got to ask yourself, where's the mercy in your life? For the people that hurt you in the past, because a lot of people have been hurt, man. I've been physically abused. I've been sexually abused. I've been torn up. I've been chewed up by the church, spit out. But guess what? Through all that, God taught me mercy and love. I'm like, God, I just want to go out and preach in the streets. I don't want to be in the church. He goes, can you love my people? Many people want to be rogue, maverick, lone wolf, going out there. Man, if you're, if you're always talking about how sick and tired you are of the church, do you love them? Jesus loved them all. The people that killed him, he loved. Why? Because he's on mercy. And the moment, that di- the moment that he died, where did he go? Because if you look at here, there's cherubim right on top of the mercy seat, right over it. Does anybody know where cherubim are right now? They're in the throne room, and what are they singing? Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Where does Jesus sit right now? He sits on the mercy seat as we speak. Above the heavens, where power and authority is delegated down. And who gets to sit next to him? Sons of man. Because he was the son of man. And he invited every man to come sit with him on the mercy seat. So when you're not operating out of mercy, you ain't on the seat, bro. The presence ain't coming out. The glory is not manifesting in your life. And then you're standing around. God, I'm doing all these things. I'm going to church. I'm doing the right thing. There's people in my job. They're stealing. They're making a lot of money. I'm sacrificing all for this for you. And he goes, I do not desire sacrifice, but I desire mercy. Can you love the people that put you down every day? Can you love the boss over you that's not giving you that promotion? Can you love the spouse that you're married to that doesn't know Jesus yet? Can you love your children when they get on your nerves? Because guess what? You're a full-time minister now. The day you got saved, when you do ministry, you minister on the streets, you minister at crusades, you minister at your family. I come back from Seattle. I just saw the glory of God take all over whole whole city. Guess what I'm doing the next day? I'm in an attic and I'm sweating and I'm fixing an air conditioner. And I could have been like, poor me. I hold, I can't. I wish I was in full time ministry. But no, God was merciful enough that I was allowed to come back to a job and work. And I was grateful. And I was content. Because godliness with Content is what? Great gain. Because you're not caught up in how, oh, I just sacrificed all this, Lord. Shouldn't I get a bunch of stuff now? (laughs) Don't you want to take care of me? He's like, I am. Got to work. You don't work, you don't eat. There's a lot of work. You know, even pastors that are in full-time ministry, guess what? 90% of their job's administration. I'm like, send me to fix ACs. I don't want to do that. Every time I call up Dom, he's, doing, he's got a checklist. Doom, I'm doing this list. I'm doing this list. He's constantly working. I was like, good night. I'm like, thanks for just giving your pulpit up one night, you know, because you worked hard for this. 
<laughs> it's a good guy. It's a good man. But it's mercy, man. Yeah, just yeah, I'm just me. I'm just Joe from Newport Ritchie, man. Set free from drugs and alcohol. Taking, you know, getting, you know, wrecked my city for a couple of years. Now God's sending me to other cities. I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna keep going. The question is, man, is are you gonna sit on mercy? Are you coming to church like, God, why am I not getting filled up? I'm sacrificing all week long. Did you forget to love? Did you forget mercy? Because once God touches you with mercy and his love and his compassion, guess what? He will fill you. He will fill you higher and deeper than you've ever been filled before. And you won't be caught in this work-based mentality that you have to do this and that to get Jesus. You have to do this and that to get filled. Because let me tell you something, the presence and the glory and the anointing is a gift. It's not a reward. Let me say that again. The presence and the glory and the power is a gift, not a reward. What do you mean by that? When you're in a race and you're running, you need power to run. And at the end of the race, you get a reward. God knows you need power before the race. And many people are thinking, man, if I pray, if I do this, if I read, if I do everything right, then God will use me and he'll do this. And we get caught up in this work-based mentality that, hey, we have to do and we have to be perfect for God to use us. If that was the case, then the people that walked into heaven and said, God, didn't I prophesy in your name? did not heal the sick in your name he'll say depart from me i never knew you but he it did say that he they did heal people it said they did prophesy why because there's something that's above that you can tap into that's a gift from the holy spirit not a reward god used me weeks into getting saved man we were laying hands on people and they were just getting filled up with fire just because I seen it done one time. I told you, I walked in a Wawa and yelled fire. It didn't happen there, but it was happening. I was seeing people get filled with the Holy Ghost and getting healed while I was rocking Bob Marley to outreaches. I'm not saying you should do that. Don't get it twisted. Don't be like one of those people, you know, who like getting started used by God and guess what? You walk into heaven and God never knew you. I'm not talking about that. Because guess what? I could have went to Seattle and I could have stepped into the Lord's will. Man, did it all. Came back here, right back into sin. He cares what happens behind closed doors. That's between you and him. But when you're out there ministering, man, that's all him. Because God will still touch you despite, despite what's going on with you. And I just, I just wanted to explain that because guess what? God wants to fill people up tonight with his power and his glory. You might not have had the best day. You might not have had the best week. You might not have been in the best season. You might be like, man, God, I just want God to use me. What do I got to do? Here I am, Lord. Send me. Just say yes. Open heart. Lord, I'm broken. I'm empty. I've been unforgiving. I've been unmerciful to everyone around me. I promise you, the moment that you 
start sitting in mercy is the moment that you'll start experiencing his glory. He wants you on the mercy seat right next to him and sitting right there. It's often he wants us to minister to the people that we don't want to minister to. The people that bother us the most. He wants us to minister to everybody. That's the truest statement. There's a story in the Bible where Philip the evangelist, he's the only evangelist mentioned in the Bible. That's why I like him. And he's walking along the street and he sees this eunuch from Ethiopia. And the guy's like sitting on the side of the road. And he's like reading Isaiah, like trying to find God. You know, he came all the way to Jerusalem to worship. But they wouldn't let him in the temple. Why? Because the law said it in Deuteronomy. It says that anybody who's made marks against himself, anybody who's cut themselves or castrated themselves wasn't allowed to enter the temple. We go to Isaiah 56. One through eight real quick. It's a prophecy of what is what to come. Don was preaching, he'd be able to quote it. <laughs> Not me. This is what it said, the, the eunuch man who couldn't be caught in the temple. Isaiah 56, 1 says this, Keep justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come, and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, and the Son of Man who lays hold on it, son of man, who keeps from defiling defiling the Sabbath and keeps his hands from doing evil. Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, the Lord has utterly separated me from his people, nor let the eunuch say, here I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath and choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, and to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of the sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. This is the salvation that was coming. And Philip the evangelist knew the new covenant, what was happening. Doesn't matter what someone looks like, how they act, what they've done to themselves in the past. Salvation is coming to all, even to the eunuch. There was a crazy man that came up to our tent. He had a sword in his hand, a plastic sword, like a like a 10-year-old would have. And he was circling around our tent like four times with a sword. It was a demon, like legit demon. And he just stops. Okay, we can say this here. He just stops and he's all like, I am not a eunuch. That's what he says. And I'm just like, what? Did he just say that? He goes, I am not a eunuch. He goes, I got one, I got two, I could show you. I was like, no, man, you're good. (laughs) 
Then the security came over. But we still went up to him and still asked him for prayer and still tried to love on him to show him the mercy of Christ. Because it doesn't matter when you get threatened or who come against you or what spirit tries to attack you, mercy can defeat that every day of the week. So Philip the evangelist explains this to this eunuch. This eunuch gets saved. And what's the first thing they do? baptized him right in the water. He goes, I want to get baptized right here in the water. So Philip takes him over, baptizes him in the water, and then can anybody tell me what happens? Philip teleports. He is gone. Gone. Physically. How's that for follow-up? <laughs> get behind me, Satan. I'm not saying you don't follow up with people, but people coming up against me like, Joe, did you follow up with everybody in Seattle? It's like, nah, I just pulled a Philip. <laughs> I was gone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we had churches there. We connected them. <laughs> I say that for my personal thing, man. But Philip, man, baptizing people. We baptized about 10 people in the city of Chop, right in the city on the field. And it was all because there was a group of people filled with the Holy Spirit who prayed in the Spirit, who walked in the Spirit, who loved in the Spirit, who was merciful in the Spirit. John says, I baptize with water, but there's soon one who would come and baptize with the Holy Spirit and his fire. Filled. Acts 2, Acts 2 I will fill... I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Luke 4, 14, after Jesus came out of temptation for 40 days, what was he filled with? Power. To preach the gospel to the poor, to lay hands on the sick, to re bring recovery sight to the blind, to set the captive free. That's it. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's what people call it isn't a one-time thing it wasn't when you got prayed for in a church four years ago and you prayed out in tongues and you know when people ask you have you been baptized in the holy spirit say yeah i've already got that that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about later in the book of acts when they went out and they preached and they went back up in the upper room they prayed again and they were filled again with the holy spirit it's about staying filled with the holy spirit it's about coming here every tuesday night and getting filled it's about waking up tomorrow, putting your worship music on, and getting filled with the Word of God. Because Jeremiah says, isn't my word like a fire shot up in my bones? Kevin, could you come forward, bro? I just, uh, you know, I got to go live a couple nights ago with uh, Kevin. And uh, I've known Kevin for a really long time. And one of the things that's so beautiful is uh, I just want, I want everybody to know it's amazing, like Joe is saying, just to really, for people to understand that Joe literally came two weeks ago without Kevin even knowing Joe was going to be here. And Joe uh, gets up here and he shares what he's going to do. And the next thing, Kevin is buying a ticket completely in faith and just going. And, you know, it, that really, that really blessed as much as, uh, you know, Joe and I go way back. It's like, it's amazing. Every time I know Joe's going to do something, I know it's getting done. It's amazing. And he's got, but I just want to let everybody know what an amazing, just so quick to obey what the Lord is saying. And just like, I'm going to jump on a plane 
there is no plan. Like they didn't tell you anything they were gonna do, and you just knew, you just knew you had to go. And uh, uh, what I wanted to do is just, uh, and uh, I'll, obviously, if uh, Evangelist Joe has anything else to conclude, I know most some people have already left, but I just really, first off, if you just, I, I want to give you the, if you have just a specific word you want to share. I want you to share, but I ultimately, I just want you to pray over everybody for quick obedience, because I just, just for you to operate in that, I just wanted you to just pray over everybody, but if there's a specific word on your heart, I just want you to share, share that as well real quick, but we love you, Kevin. It, is it on? Sorry, it might have got, what happened, let me see, oh, it got me, sorry. There you go. First of all, I want to say, uh, Gold Street Church, you guys are awesome uh, for what God enabled me and Joe to do. You guys were, like Joe said, the hands and feet in Seattle. But I believe God just wants me to speak a quick word. There's a fire in this house. There's a fire in this house. Dominic, me and him met. But God told me to tell you, Dominic, you have revival fire. You've had revival fire even before I met you. There's a fire in this house. I want you to all grasp. I know some of us are friends here. But there's a fire that's being birthed out of this house. Me and Joe seen the fire hit Seattle. There's a fire coming in this house that God is releasing for nations. Pasco County is not a normal county. I want you all just to lift your hands real quick. Dominic and Joe, if we could release the fire tonight, just pray. There's a fire that's going to come out of this Pasco County, and this is the Lord speaking. There's a fire that's going to come through Pasco County that's going to go across nations. What me and Joe joined together and what we've seen, in Seattle with Dom, it's not a coincidence that us three are friends. There's a fire that says a three cord cord, cord, cord cannot be broke. We're going to lift up our hands, John. We're going to release a fire through Pasco County. But this fire is going to come with me and Joe seen in Seattle, what he said about mercy that touched me. There's a fire that's going to come out of this area. You're in a house right now that God is going to release fire. And what Joe has been releasing fire tonight, that's going to set this nation ablaze. Wow. We love you all so much. Uh, feel free to hang out. I mean, uh, there's no no rush, but uh, we just I just want everybody to know uh, there there's something really like we said earlier, and just with Joe's message, there's a verse that uh, really stood out to me. I shared with some of the leadership, but First Peter, verse four, uh, verses seven through eight, it, it talks about that the end of times, at the end of the age, it says that we need to be watchful at, at, in our prayer. And then right after it, it says, we need to love each other with a fervent love, which really goes to show the framework of prayer life right now is to be be so in tune for Jesus's return. Everything we're looking at is how, how much closer we are, but we need to be loving people in such a way. And this was such an on-time word tonight because I just really believe that even on your way home tonight, like, can we be the body that when we leave, the house that the devil is so scared that that church building just ended because we're about to go light up every gas station light up every place we go some of you guys get home i understand the rest of the week but i'm just saying that uh such a great thing is happening so next tuesday uh pastor isaac from i'm telling you you do not want to miss next tuesday you don't want to miss any tuesday but i'm so excited he's coming next tuesday to bless us uh supernatural testimonies of just provision and so forth that he's going to be bringing. So we love you all. We will see you next Tuesday.